Every time I go into New York City, there's one detail that I look for. It really stands out to me every time I go. I'm kind of curious about it. Among all of the millions of details to just take in when you're in New York City, there's one that stands out. And it's a bumper sticker. Maybe you've seen it. They're everywhere. And it's big block letters. And it says, never forget there's usually a graphic of the Twin Towers and some kind of reference to 9-11. You see these bumper stickers usually on the back of fire trucks or police cars or just work trucks going down through the city. Never forget is what it says. Now, I find this very interesting because if I go back in my mind's eye and I go back to the actual 9-11, September 11, 2001, that moment in our history, as we're looking at our television screens, and some of you looking at it live, I'm looking at the television screen in my mind, and I'm seeing those towers fall. And I'm thinking in that moment, this is the most important thing ever. This is the most important moment in my life. This is the most important moment in our country's life. Now, if you were to walk up to me in that moment and say, yeah, you're probably going to forget this, I would say, no way. I will never forget this. And if you were to say, yeah, in fact, the, most of the country, they're going to kind of forget this. In fact, they're going to have to put bumper stickers on the fire trucks that say never forget. You see, the reality is we as human beings so easily forget the most important things. We forget them. That is an assumed truth in the scripture that we just heard read for us tonight that we easily forget the most important things. This is sort of the subtext of the reading for tonight. Let's look again at verses 7 through 9 to see what I mean by this. It says this, You shall teach them, these important things, diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. It's kind of like God is saying, put bumper stickers everywhere that say, never forget. Put them everywhere. Frontlets of your eyes, on your hand, doorpost of your house. Talk about it all the time, wherever you're going. Never forget, never forget, never forget is what God is saying here. Because he knows how easily we forget the most important things. Now, you may know this, but there's a group of people who take some of these verses quite literally. The Hasidic Jews, I have a picture of somebody up here I can show you. The Hasidic Jews in particular, you may not know this, maybe now you will, that this is uh, the practice that you see this man wearing. This, this is the verse where they get this from. You see the box that's on the front lid of his eyes and the thing that's bound around his wrists? This is from Deuteronomy. Bind it as a sign on your hand and put it on, on, fix it on as an emblem on your forehead in other translations. People take this very literally. And not just the Hasidic Jews, but most Jews take the other verse quite literally to write it on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. If any of you have friends who are of the Jewish faith, you've probably seen this in their um, front, usually in their front door, but sometimes even throughout their spaces. You see the mezuzah, that little thing on the doorway. This is from this verse in Deuteronomy. People take it literally. Write it on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
Now, I'm grateful that one of these verses is something my family has taken literally. The verse where it says, teach them diligently to your children. My family has taken that verse quite literally for generations, actually. I love verse 2 of our reading today where it refers to your son and your son's son. When I read that in verse 2, I immediately think about my great-grandfather. He was also a minister about 100 years ago, and he loved the word. And he raised a son who also loved the word, my grandfather. I know he loved the word because he became a minister as well. And I've gone through and I've had the privilege of reading some of his sermon notes. That man loved the word. Well, my grandfather, he raised a son, my dad. My dad loved the word as well, still does. I remember when I was a kid, I would wake up early, no matter how early it was, and I'd come downstairs and I'd see my dad with a cup of coffee and a Bible on his lap doing his devotions. My dad worked in the church as well. My dad raised a son. That's me. I love the word too. I also became a minister. I'm a fourth generation minister, and now I'm raising a son. And I hope he loves the word. He gave me an amazing encouragement a few months ago. He's 10 years old. And he got, he's had it for a while, but he got the Action Bible. This is awesome, by the way. If you have 10-year-olds or around that age, it's like 600 pages. It's like a comic book of all the stories of the Bible. It's amazing. But he came to me a couple months ago, and he said, Daddy, I'm going to read the whole thing, start to finish. So I have a son who loves the word. He's read the whole thing, and he, he loves the word too. I love this verse too, your son and your son's son. There's an intergenerationality of the instruction here. Bind it as a sign on your hand. Fix it as an emblem on your forehead. Write it on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Teach it diligently to your children. But what is it exactly that God wants us to never forget? What is he saying here? You so easily forget. Never forget this. Never forget this. What exactly is he saying? It's not just 9-11, right? What is it exactly? What precisely in tonight's reading is God telling us to never ever forget. Well, quite simply, it's this. He's saying, God is God, and our purpose is to love him fully. That's what he wants us to never forget, to talk about all the time when we lie down and when we rise. Never forget that. God is God, and our purpose is to love him fully. Let's look in verse 4 to see what it what we mean when it says God is God. It says this, Hear, O Israel, remember, O Israel, hear this now, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now I want to show you something here. Whenever you see in the Bible, this is interesting because our slide doesn't have it, but if you look on the page of a Bible in this verse, it says the Lord our God, and it's all capitals on the word Lord. And some of you know this, but what that indicates is that in the Hebrew text, in the Hebrew that was written, that we've translated into English, what that means is the word Yahweh is there. Whenever you see all capital letters for Lord, it means Yahweh. So what this is saying is, remember, O Israel, hear, O Israel, Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. In, our, in ESV translation, it says Yahweh is one. But in other translations, it says the Lord alone. Yahweh is God, Yahweh alone. This is important for the Israelites and us to remember. Especially for the Israelites, this is a time in their history when they had left Egypt, and they're wandering in the wilderness, 
and they're about to land in the promised land, and they're about to get some new neighbors. And their new neighbors followed other gods, gods with names like Baal and Ishtar. And those other gods, well, they promised some interesting things. For example, did you know that if you worshipped Baal in just the right way, he promised to rain on your crops so that you could produce a harvest and become wealthy. And all the gods that the Israelites would bump into, they promised various things. And God says to them, here's what I want you to remember and never forget. Yahweh is God, no one else. Yahweh alone. I think this is very relevant for us today because if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of false gods being presented to us. Kind of like Baal, actually. If you do things just right, you can get the God of success, material and financial success, right? God is saying, don't forget, success is not your God. Or fill in the blank, whatever the God is that you're tempted to go and follow, this text says, Yahweh is God. Yahweh alone. Don't forget that. Talk about that. Place it as reminders all around your life. God is God. But that's not all. In verse 5, it goes on from there to say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. It's not just that Yahweh is God, but it's also that our relationship with God is one of love. This could have said a number of different things here. It could have said, don't forget, Yahweh is God, fear him. Could have said that. But it says, love him. This is what's unique about our relationship with Yahweh, our relationship with God. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. What does that look like? What does this mean to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. I just want to look at these words for a moment. It's interesting when we see the word heart, we often think about our emotions. We think about our emotionality. And we think, I just want to love God emotionally. That's not really probably what it meant in the Hebrew and in the original context. When we read the word heart in the Old Testament, we should think more actually in, like when we think of mind, interestingly, or maybe even will. That's probably a better translation. To love God with, with our wills, right? Can you picture that? Loving God with your will. Choosing to have our will conform to his. Maybe that's how we can love him with our will. So it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart or with all your will. And also with all your soul. Here's another thing that we can maybe misunderstand a little bit when we read it in the Old Testament. Soul. We think of maybe this sort of part of us that's not really connected to our body. Well, soul in the Old Testament context was actually more like throat. You think about this. In the ancient world, you think about your throat. They thought the throat was the most important organ for life. It makes sense. The throat is where you take in food and water, these things that keep you alive. The throat is the organ through which you breathe life, right? You breathe air in and out, comes in and out of your throat. It's where you can proclaim with your voice your praise for God. I think of that wonderful psalm that says, as the deer pants for streams of water. Can you picture a deer in his throat just through the wilderness wanting a stream of water? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants, longs 
for you, O God. To love the Lord our God with, with that central part of us that is our life, that is our being. Love the Lord your God with, with your will, with your throat, with your soul, and also with, with your might, it says. Love the Lord your God with your might. Now, we can think of the word might in this context really more just like your body. Love the Lord with your body. This sounds a little bit strange, actually, in our context. We don't normally talk about this, loving God with our bodies. I mean, here we are in a boxing gym. Comically, I have these championship belts hanging over my head. We think of maybe loving ourselves with our body, right? Beef up, get strong, get fit. It's kind of like a self-love. Do I need to tell this to the selfie generation? that we have a lot of self-love going on, we love ourselves with our bodies, but what would it look like to love the Lord your God with your might, with your, with your body? I remember this prayer that I heard once when I was a kid. I was over at a friend's house, and the dad prayed before dinner at the dinner table. And he said something along the lines of, Lord, as we take these calories into our bodies, I pray that you'd give us energy to love you and to love each other. That stuck with me. I remember that. That's how we can love the Lord our God with, with our bodies, is to take our energy, to take our strength, and to love people, to serve people. I think of Paul Barker at the train station. That's loving God with his body. He shows up 4 a.m. with his body. He uses his hands to hand sandwiches to homeless people. Love the Lord your God with with your body, with your might. So that's the command here. That's what God says, never forget that Yahweh is God and no one else. And our purpose is to love Yahweh, is to love the God of the Bible with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our might. Now, is anyone feeling maybe a little bit inadequate in that? We were studying the same chapter on Wednesday night over at the Greenwich campus. And there was a woman there who suddenly started getting very nervous when she started thinking about her own life, her own love of God. Especially because we read the whole chapter and in verse 15 is something quite startling. God basically says in verse 15 that if you don't do this, if you don't love me with your whole heart, your whole soul and all your might, I reserve the right to destroy you from the face of the earth. So this woman's sitting in the pew, and she's looking at her sheet, and she's, she's just paralyzed. And she's like, Pastor, <laughs> what if I don't do this? What if we forget? And we all forget. Is God going to wipe us off the face of the earth? And actually, the woman was crying when she asked this question. She was really getting it the severity of what this says. And what I shared with her, I'll share with you tonight. When she wondered, is God going to wipe us off the face of the earth? I immediately went back to a lecture that we heard at Stanwich last year from Fleming Rutledge, amazing theologian Fleming Rutledge. And Fleming described the crucifixion for us. And she reminded us what crucifixion was designed to do. The Romans designed crucifixion in such a way that it would be so horrible, it would be so horrific to the person being crucified. What they would be saying to the community is, basically, this person never existed at all. This person is being wiped off the face of the earth. That's what crucifixion does. 
Now, do you see how this story's starting to go? God looked down at the whole world, and he knew that we're supposed to never forget to love him with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole strength. And he sees us forgetting over and over and over again. And he says, what I ought to do is wipe them off the face of the earth. It's what I said I would do if they didn't do this. But in his grace, in his love, he sent Jesus, who willingly went to be crucified. To be treated like he was being wiped off the face of the earth. Why did he do that? So that we wouldn't have to experience that pain. That's what happened on the cross. Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and he received the due wrath, the due punishment. You saw it, verse 15. He received what we deserve. Jesus loved the Father with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. Think of that word heart. Jesus loved the Father with his will. He said in the garden, not my will, not my mind, but yours. Jesus loved the Father with all of his soul, all of his throat, all the way until his last breath came out of his throat. He loved the Father fully. And he loved the Father with his body, which was nailed to the cross, which was speared. He was obedient even unto death. Jesus did for us what we can't do for ourselves. He fulfilled Deuteronomy 6. We forget that the God of the Bible is the one true God and our purpose is to love him fully with all our heart and with all our might and with all of our soul. Jesus said, I will do it for them and I will receive the punishment they deserve. I will be treated as if I'm being wiped off the face of the earth through Roman crucifixion. This is why in my house, I don't have a mezuzah on the door, but I have crosses. I have a cross in every room of my house, actually. I, I realized as I was preparing the sermon, there's one room I don't have a cross in. I'm going to go put one up tomorrow because <laughs> I never want to forget. We're beginning this sermon series now called Doors in the Bible. And what would it look like for you not to have a bumper sticker on a fire truck that says, never forget. But to have the cross, to have the cross of Christ be on the doorway of your life. That in your coming and in your going, when you rise and when you lie down, when you talk, when you go to work, when you get on the train, when you live in your space, to never forget what he's done for us. You see, we love him because he first loved us, because he did this for us. That's what frees us up to, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might. Teach this diligently to your children. Talk about it when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Put this on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's pray. God, we confess that we easily forget. We easily forget the most important thing. You are our God. 
and our purpose is to love you fully. We confess that and we also thank you, Jesus, for coming and, and fulfilling this law for us. We can't do it on our own, but you did it for us and you received the punishment that we deserve, so we thank you for that. And we pray now, Lord, as a grateful response to that gift that you've given that, that we would actually be able to follow this law in some new way. We pray that we would place the gospel, we'd place crosses all over the, the doorways of our lives so that we will never forget. Thank you, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.